Throw bottle of whiskey on and see Light a cigarette so he don't smell the weed If he asks me to blow, I'ma tell his punk ass to take me to jail I've been here time and time before From Rocky Mountain midway with every whore And a 25 miles circumference to this damned old town Singing la 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 let's pull over I can't hold it Will you turn the music up? All right, who's ready for another episode of Mondas Digital? I know I am. How about you? I am. He is. And uh, back with me again for this episode is Che. Slightly less inebriated. Uh, yeah. I'd, just, I'd say about 70% less inebriated. <laughs> yeah, I would have to agree. So yeah. hopefully it'll be... A, an easier sailing. listening smooth yeah sailing. we smooth sailing. we're we're gonna try to uh record this before he gets past the point of where he <laughs> was uh last episode or the last time he was here so that we don't uh sorry guys yeah i just i had to do a lot of editing yeah. and sorry just, dad <laughs> so but that's cool that's cool yeah. so i've been wanting to do this episode for a while and it yeah. was, it's kind of tough for me to approach it because i wanted to do it justice i wanted to do the topic justice and i didn't want to just throw it out there and i was thinking about doing it alone and then um i thought it's like well we, we plan on recording today and then it's like well you know what it'd be perfect have a second person and then we have a discussion along with it so um you know, nowadays you have all these police brutality cases that um, are in the news. Like, uh, for instance, Rodney King was one of the first ones yeah, that happened. Ones, yeah. And then most recently, uh, Floyd. What was his first name? George Floyd. George Floyd. Who, about two years ago. Yeah, it was about two years. His anniversary was not too long ago, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, he was actually a Houston native as well. And so it's like, that's that was the hot topic in the news um, during their time. And of course, anytime something like this happens, it usually is. But nowadays, because you get so much information in all your news feeds, like on TV, social media, newspapers for some people, magazines and things like that, it's, it's, hard, to, it's hard to ignore because it's covered by everybody and everyone has an opinion and everyone has their side on it. But I wanted to share this because it's this happened back in 1977. All right. At the time, I was 12 years old. And I can remember as a 12-year-old uh, one morning getting up. And I don't remember if school was still going on during that time or if we were already out of school. I think we were still in school. It was like one of the f last weeks or so. But I remember uh, waking up on a monday or tuesday i can't remember what day it was getting dressed for school and the news was on it was always on in the mornings at my house and the story was running about a 23 year old vietnam veteran by the name of jose campos torres right now he had been out uh from the army i don't know a couple of years or so and um he lived over on the east end of houston which is primarily hispanic i think it's I think it was the Denver Harbor area. Mm -hmm. All right. So you said, said East End, which I, I'm, I'm assuming is yeah the same. That's usually yeah. that's usually the case. Yeah. So he was at a neighborhood bar, a bar he frequented, and he was known to get rowdy sometimes. But he was also known as a good guy. wasn't a big dude. He was, you know, I don't know. If I were to guess from the pictures, he was probably about five six, five seven, and probably weighed about 130, 140 pounds, if that. Yeah. And so he was celebrating Cinco de Mayo with some friends and, of course, got drunk, had a little bit too much to drink. And I don't know if he got into a fight or an, a disagreement with somebody. But anyway, the bar owner calls the cops and says, hey, I got this guy. Uh, he's, he's being, you know, disorderly. And uh, can you come get him? So, of course, cops show up. But it wasn't just like one or two cops it was six of them right three cop cars two per two cops per car mm -hmm. six of them show up right and they they arrest him put the cuffs on him and um they're gonna go you know take him to jail arrest him and everything and instead of taking him to the jailhouse downtown where most people will take him 
they take him to this place um, off of Buffalo Bayou. And Buffalo Bayou is this little waterway, whatever, little river, creek, whatever, that runs through the city. And that's why we're known as the Bayou City, um, because we have several of them. But Buffalo Bayou is, is the main one, and it runs really close to the— It goes through downtown. Yeah, it goes through downtown, but it clo- runs real close to HPD offices. I remember, you know, yeah, I literally remember getting out of jail— uh, like uh, Harris County Jail, and be like, "Oh, there's the water." Yeah, like and it's you right see there. It. Yeah. So anyway, they have this uh, area called the hole that a lot of the cops, when they were in their car and they wanted to do some paperwork, didn't necessarily want to go back into the office. They would park in that area underneath, and it was a drop down from the, from the main road, and they would park in there and they would do paperwork undisturbed, or if they were like working late and they went to go take a nap or whatever and i don't know if this was allowed or if this just came out in the story but they would go sleep over there and stuff interrogate like that. some street walkers yeah, they would actually they would uh take prisoners or not prisoners but um any inmates or anybody that they arrested they would take them down there and interrogate them and and you know threaten them and whatever i mean because as always you're gonna have some bad cops and you can have some good cops yeah more but, on that later yeah but this night um, they took uh, Jose, or Joe, as he was known by his friends and people that knew him in the neighborhood. They took him to this um, place called The Hole. And basically, it's just it's a 25-foot embankment. And it's 25 feet before you get to the water down at the bottom. And still handcuffed, they take turns beating him up. And I mean, they didn't just you know beat him up for a couple of minutes. They beat him up for a while. Okay. Then they take him back to the police station because they're going to go ahead and book him, arrest him, put him in. And the sergeant on duty that night says, "Uh uh-uh, you're not bringing him in here. This guy is hurt. He needs medical attention. Take him to Bentob, which Bentob is is the local trauma hospital Mm -hmm. in the medical center, right? He needs to be treated. This guy, apparently they did a number on him because he was beyond recognition uh, just from the 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 beating they put on him so the cops instead of taking him back to or taking him to the the police department or i should say instead of taking him to uh the hospital they said well you know they're gonna admit him to the hospital and then we're just they're just gonna let him go and you know he's just gonna be drunk and disorderly um charged and he's back on the street they take him back to the hole and they keep beating on him, torturing him, and just beating on him, right? Mm-hmm. And the story, there's different versions of the story after this. Uh, but the lead officer here, uh, by the name of, his last name was Dennison. I'd have to look and see what his first name was. Uh, hang on, I've got this pulled up. Uh, sorry, guys, wasn't being prepared here. Officers Terry W. Denson, Denson. and Stephen Orlando okay. were tried so, on state murder charges. Yeah. So Denson, who was, uh, I guess, the one that was taking charge of this whole this whole incident, says something about, uh, I'd love to see uh, a wetback swim or something like that. Mm. And so they end up pushing him off the embankment, 25 feet into the water. Some people say he was still handcuffed. Others say he was not. Uh, there's different versions. They left him in the water, and of course, he drowns. Drunk, even if he wasn't handcuffed. At drunk, disoriented, in the dark, in the water, not knowing where he is. How are you going to get yourself out of that, right? So three days later, this, this was Cinco de Mayo, 1977. Three days later, on the 8th, Mother's Day, a Sunday, his body washes up on the bank, up on the on the on the uh, you know on the grass of uh, Buffalo Bayou, mm-hmm. and uh, of course the news breaks out, and so they just start investigating it because I mean it's like how how do you, how do you get away with that? How do you keep that quiet? You can't, and so of course these officers because they were the ones that um, you know they 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 showed up at the scene in the first place are questioned. So two of the officers uh, get Scott, get off free because they basically testify against the other four. And so the other four, 
uh, with Denson and Orlando at the lead are convicted, right? So well, I'm, they're charged. I'm looking at the trials and it says officers Terry W. Denson and Stephen Orlando were tried on state murder charges. They were convicted of negligent homicide and received one year probation and a fine of $1. $1. In 1978, Denson, Orlando, and fired officer Joseph Janison, Janish were subsequently convicted of federal civil rights violations and served nine months in prison. Yeah. So, but th- they ended up having to serve, what, like about 10 years of probation or something like that? Um, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm just on this right yeah. now. Yeah. That's what I'm seeing. So, basically, they got off pretty light because they didn't get murder charges. They just got negligent homicide. Which is a misdemeanor. Yeah, which is a misdemeanor. a misdemeanor. And negligent homicide is like, well, they didn't really mean to do it. Is, is that's the way I interpret it's, it? It's even, well, there's also um, involuntary manslaughter. Right. Which is like if... Um, I'm drunk and I'm driving and you're in the passenger seat. We're going to reckon you die. Yeah. I am responsible for your death, but I didn't mean to kill you. So right. this is even less than that because that's, that's still a felony, involuntary manslaughter. Really? So okay. it's even more like, oh, he was allergic to shrimp and I didn't know and I gave it to him. Oops. Sorry. Yeah. Like that's he what didn't that have his epi- Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he didn't like have that. his epi- Yeah. Yeah. Or he's playing like we're hanging out in my backyard. And I didn't know he was allergic to bees and he got stung by a bunch of bees and died. Right. You know what I mean? Something like that. Or he, somebody drowning in your pool. Yeah. I don't understand how they can call it negligent when they didn't even take him directly to. No, it's not negligent. At all. Yeah. It, it's, it's crazy it's how they came across this this charge and said, yeah, this is what we'll charge him with. And then on top of that, to make it even more embarrassing for everyone involved and the city of Houston, they only charge him a dollar fine. So here's what I'm reading right now, because I have this pulled up while we're talking about it. And uh, a year later, the 1978 Moody Park riot. Right. And Yeah. And so they had a riot a year afterwards. And Harry Robinson, the former Houston police chief, uh, quoted, you know, what happened, said it, it was the greatest miscarriage of public trust by police officers in my 27 years of wearing a badge. And uh, between five and 6,000 people attended this celebration and uh, police arrived at the park in response to a call of incident of disorderly conduct remains unclear on how the riot started. Some reports reflect that the officers were making a few arrests, and this is when people in the event began yelling, no, you are not taking them, and you'll kill them the way you killed Jose Campos Torres. The crowd's initial yelling immediately led to people to begin chanting in unison, justice for Joe Torres, viva Joe Torres, a Chicano's life is worth more than a dollar. The crowd then began throwing bottles and rocks at the officers. The Fulton Village shopping center uh, stores at 2900 Fulton Street were looted and set on fire. Abe Wiener, LOL, an owner of a department store in the shopping center, said it took the fire department over an hour to respond to his emergency 911 call for help. Three large buildings and two smaller ones in the shopping center were looted and stripped by fires. Rioting escalated to over a 10-block area adjacent to Moody Park. Total of six stores and one gasoline, gasoline station were set on fire. So it's just, I mean, this is a whole, uh, you know, yeah, at least 28 people were taken into custody after the violence started in the predominantly Mexican-American neighborhood incident, and all fires were finally under control at 3 a.m. Yeah, they just lost total control of that crowd. They just went crazy. It's like, no, you're, well, you're not. Here's the thing is I don't understand is how, um, you know, now we're getting to the opinion part of it, and we've been just stating fact. And I, I have always been against looting. And riots, and I'm like, dude, just fucking, like, you're just making your your point look bad. But at the same time, when you look at it, when you're you're doing, like, let's say this, we're just, everybody's, like, having a celebration here. And the cops show up, and we're like, this is literally, you're literally doing what, you know, what we're mad at you for. Is just to come fuck with some people who are just doing their own thing, right? And like I said, and I've been, I've been, <laughs> I've up until a couple of weeks ago, yeah, I've been drunk and disorderly before, and I understand that. But I mean, I mean, what are the details? Was he hurting someone? Did he threaten someone? Did he have a weapon? Did he have anything? Like, there's no justification as to like, well, just take him to fucking jail. You know what I mean, you made the conscious decision. These officers made the conscious decision to instead taking like they. I mean, if he was drunk. They could have easily, six of them easily overpowered him, cuffed him. Once you're cuffed, thrown in the back of a cop car, you really can't do anything. Right. And I know that from experience. Just take him to jail. Process him. Just get, like, and then go on about your goddamn shift. 
Yeah, it, it really to, didn't yeah. have to happen that way. It so easily did not have to. No, happen there was that there way. was there was malicious intent immediately. They're like, let's. It's somebody. Well, maybe you know who knows. You know, they could be somebody who's got a chip on their shoulder and like, let's show this guy who's boss. Yeah, let's well, it's, do it. it's crazy too because six people respond. What is that backup? Uh-huh. Uh, do you need that much backup for one guy? And then the thing also is like, all right, give him some respect. Okay, he's a Vietnam veteran. Mm-hmm. All right, he was in his army fatigues. Yeah, he was in his army fatigues, mm-hmm. and they knew that that he was a veteran. So why not give him the respect and said, "Look, guys, guy, you were on our side." I would say at that's. I, I would say that's that. What is more willing to happen nowadays, uh, even for a Hispanic person um, or or uh, a black veteran or whatever, anybody in army fatigues, I think is definitely nowadays going to get a little bit more respect, especially the benefit of the doubt if they are drunk and disorderly. But back then, I mean, who knows? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because so, still, it, it was still, there were still a lot of, well, I mean, it still is now, but there was, the racial divide back then was, was big. It was mm. major. And so my thing is like the bar owner knew him. He was f- a frequent, you know, uh, patron. That's there. the only thing where I'm like, what did he do this time? That made him, and I'm not, and I'm not trying to play devil's advocate right. or anything. I'm just saying like, if I'm like. You know, Celine always tells me that I would make a great lawyer. So I would, I'm always thinking about, and especially in my own time, like being, having to be the plaintiff <laughs> or the defendant or whatever, uh, having to think about all this stuff and think about like how things are played in court and what's legal and what are we arguing? What's the real thing? Uh, you know, the bar owner, I mean, this guy's a, a, a regular. So right. How how did he go? I mean, maybe it was Cinco de Mayo. He took too much tequila, and he was just a little bit rowdier than usual. And, and you know, and it, I don't think it should go back on the bartender who called them because I don't think the bartender who called the cops knew what was going to happen. Right. And I, I feel like that's something that, like, imagine you're that guy, and you're like, oh, man, I just I just want Joe. Joe take Joe. Put him in the drunk tank. Let him sleep it off. I know. You or, know I mean? or the, and maybe that's probably what he was thinking. My my thought is like, OK, if he, if he if he's a regular and it's a neighborhood bar, he, you know, he lives close by, maybe knows relatives. Call relatives. Hey, come pick buddies. him up. Yeah, yeah that's pick too, him up. I've, that's that's I mean, you know, that's happened to me before, too. Like, I've been too drunk at a bar and my I have friends there and they're like, hey, we're going to take his keys. We're going to take him home or whatever. And they're not going to call the cops on me, you know. It wasn't necessarily, yeah. you know. And then, you know, the cops do show up. They're, like I said, there's six of them there. It only takes one car to take him in. Why didn't mm-hmm. they just let that one car or those two cops in that one car just go? The other ones just yeah. go on about your business. And sometimes they will do that. Um, well, the second time I was arrested, I had four four on me because they thought I was running. I was just too fucked up. Didn't know that I was being chased by officers. But I had... <laughs> No, for real. So the first two officers, they they pulled me over. They're like, get get in here. Like I was at a stoplight, and they're like, go into this uh, Kroger parking lot. I went in the parking lot, and then the other two came back and they immediately run out with guns drawn. And I remember distinctly the first cop who pulled me over was like waving. Them. I was like, he's just drunk. He's just drunk. Like they thought, you know, they thought I was like, you know, running from a crime. Like I had just robbed someplace. Or I had right. a gun on me or something like that. Like I was dangerous. And they were like. He's just drunk. It's okay. It's okay. Like they, he had to calm down the other guys. I remember. I don't remember his name. He was very nice, despite the circumstances. It's a white guy with a buzz cut. Uh, yeah, I don't remember. And, and you, you yeah. will get that that one, one or two cops that, you know. Well, that's kind of what I wanted to get yeah. on it. Was what you know, justice is supposed to be blind. Justice is supposed to be uh, fair. That's what justice is. And um, you know, from my experiences, even on myself, like the two times I've been arrested having to deal with cops and my relationship with the local PD in my small town. Now it's really not, it really depends on the day and who the officer is and who you are and the, their mood. And, and that's, what's scary is that you forget that the law, the law is the law, but it's still, um, fallible to human error and human emotion and human, you know, um, it is what, I mean, and I think it's good and bad because, I mean, what happens if we just somebody would just be like, okay, we're just going to replace all police officers with robots, right? And then there's been times. I mean, there's times where things things get out of hand. And you're like, oh, I can just go home. And there, I've been in that situation where it's like, I can just go home. And they're like, all right, well, I'll follow you home. It's a big, not a big deal. You know, if you make everything black and white, you're not going to get that. Yeah. And so it, it, it's 
it sucks because you know we're all human and you can't there's no there's never going to be this universal standard that everyone's going to adhere to that's what sucks yeah well here's, you're, here's, you're playing with people's lives yeah here's the thing going back to uh the daughter's case so they beat him up right yeah. pretty badly they take him in and said no take him to the hospital so instead of taking him to the hospital, they take him and they beat him again. It's like, yeah. so it's like in their mind, they already decided they were going to kill him. Uh, yeah. That's what I was getting yeah. at. And in already, their mind, it's, like, it, it's, it's almost like, well, shit, we, we fucked up, you know, he's this bad of shape, mm-hmm. we, you know, Might we're, we're going to get some heat. Yeah. And so they do that. And I hate to say it and to sound this way, but it was like, they were better off killing him because they got no, nothing. Mm-hmm. Right. Versus what would have happened to them if they would have admitted him to the hospital? Oh, they just would have done it again. You think? Oh, for sure. To him or just to the next person? To the next person. Well, well, because, listen, most of the time, and this is something like, and I'll, and I'll equate it to like a you know smaller thing, like anytime I ever got, cheating, got caught cheating in a relationship, that wasn't the first time I was cheating. It's like it happened. You know what I mean? Like anytime you've ever gotten in trouble for something, it's not the first time you've done it. The only reason you have the confidence to just, oh, like, I'll just do this is because you've gotten away with it before. So these guys are the kind of people where they're like, I mean, duh, just take them to the hole. It's fine. Not a big deal. We do this shit all the time. How many people um, have they done that to before that you didn't even know? Yeah. Yeah, they're they're definitely. I would love to to fucking go down to do like in those detective movies where you look up those those officers and look up their arrests and the. In you know the the you know Houston Chronicle and be like, okay, well, what about this person? What what happened? This and like, oh, how many unsolved murders or how many? Um, oh, this guy just turned up dead or something like that. Like, how many of those have happened before this? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's crazy, and I'm sure they're not the only ones either. There was oh, it wasn't I the mean, only because that's no. a that's a huge police department. Houston Police Department is a huge force. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. So. It happens a lot, more than you think, more than you know. And unfortunately, you know, that this was the result of it. There was no justice served. That was 45 years ago. And, and really, his mother, who's still alive, was just given a public apology. Yeah, it was a, from uh, the city of Houston. April mayor. 21st, 2021. I yeah, last say. year. Yeah, it was a police chief, Tony Finner, apologized to Torres family, calling the killing straight up murder. It was, yeah. So, but I mean, that apology is not going to bring him back. No, it doesn't do any good. It doesn't do any good. You know, the mom, it's just empty words for her at this point. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's just this, like I said, I've, I've known about this for a long time because as and a kid. And this is the I first remember, I've heard about it since yeah. you brought it up to me a couple hours ago. Yeah. And so, and, you know, it's like where. What would happen nowadays if this same incident would had have happened? Um, I don't know. I don't know. You think they would, would get off again? No, no. It wouldn't have been. I, that th- easy. I think no. It wouldn't be that easy because, like, um, so there was in my hometown, um, there was a woman who just got capital murder charges on her son. She well, she killed her son. He was like two years old, and. Um, she, it just happened, like I want to say a week and a half ago. She got the charges, but the the kid died a couple of weeks ago, like a month ago, and then had to investigate. Well, they had already had CPS called them a couple of times, and so now people are cracking down on CPS, being like, "You failed him. Like you, like you had the files in your hand, and you let him stay with those people, and then now he's dead. So this is on you." So imagine that. So it's the same kind of principle, I guess, of like people are going to be like, well, I mean, you fucked us over before. So we're going to hold you to a higher standard. We're going to keep an extra eye on you to make sure you're doing your fucking job mm-hmm. and you're under higher scrutiny. And as they should be, I mean, things should be in the same like people forget uh, police officers are public servants. They are supposed to serve the public. They're supposed to protect the serve and protect. That's literally on their badges. And when we are afraid of these people, when they walk into, I mean, I, in, in El Campo, I know a lot of the cops. So like, I feel a little bit more comfortable, but I mean, I can be getting gas 
at the gas station here, completely sober, not doing anything wrong, not breaking the law. Cop pulls up next to me and immediately I'm like back straight. I'm like, nice posture. I'm look, you know, don't look like you're doing anything wrong. I don't even want you to talk. Don't even look at me. Yeah. Because of my experiences with them and, you know, being in jail and the jail system and like knowing like how certain how you're treated. I mean, you're cattle. You're nothing to them. You're nothing to them. And you could and you could plead your case all day. And you could even, like, I, and I feel for people, like, I was guilty. I can admit when I was guilty. But I, can, I can't imagine, you know, all these times I hear about people who are like, man, I just, like, this thing, it was just a misunderstanding. And you still have to go through the process. You still have to go get booked. You still have to go to county. You still have to fucking, like, get your name and whatever. And they have to dress you out. And you're naked in front of these people. And then they give you the orange jumpsuit. Get, a, get like, a little blanket and a, and a bedroll. And you're housed with, like, 60 people that you don't know. You're, all you watch is basic cable. They wake you up at 5 a.m. And you're like, time to eat. Okay. And then you go back to sleep. And people are playing cards and doing push-ups or whatever. 11 o'clock, time to eat. Whatever. And then it's, it's I mean, it's... I've never wanted to see the sun more than when I was in county. You know what I mean? I've never yeah. wanted to just look out a window. Yeah, regardless of the situation, everybody gets it's, treated the it's, same. And yeah, it's exactly. Like- and there's no... I remember what sucks is uh, there was a guy that I met in uh, county once, and he was uh, he was from Mississippi, and he had just got pulled over on some bullshit traffic shit. And he had been in uh, Harris County for six months. His family didn't know where he was. He, he, they didn't let him get any f- numbers out of his phone. He hasn't, he hadn't made a phone call. He had nothing. His, he was like, yeah, my, my family in Mississippi don't know where I'm at. I was driving, like I, he was visiting someone in like New Mexico or something. So he was driving through Houston through, yeah. and got arrested and he had been there for six months. For what? He had warrants or I, something? I, I don't know. I, he said it was like some bullshit traffic. I mean, he could have like hit something or whatever, but he said it was a minor and he was like, I, he's like, I've, he's like, I'm not, and he seemed like a normal person. He didn't look. Like, you know, and I know I can probably from someone, someone who doesn't know me can look at me like, oh, it's this Hispanic dude with tattoos, whatever. Like he could easily pass as a criminal. I get that. I understand that. This guy looked like he was a fucking accountant. You know what I mean? And I was like, wow, like your family, like your parents don't know you are like, um, I don't know if he was married or anything. Like what happened? Like they can't even think like they have no idea where he was is now. What would they even think to say, oh, I'm going to call Harris County and see if, if he's there? Yeah. It's, it's crazy because you think of all the backlog that there is. Uh-huh. And so this guy, and, and let's say it was just something routine or something, like he said, bullshit. Yeah. And he got stopped. And then so uh, he doesn't recognize his numbers. Why they won't give him his phone so that he can scroll through and find someone to call, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, shit. They asked... Um, Two times, the two times I got arrested, they asked me, but I already, I, I know your number. I know my mom's number. I know my ex-wife's number. All the people that I know that I need to get a hold of immediately, I know those numbers. Mm-hmm. So I was okay. But I mean, I told you, like, uh, the first time I got arrested, it was two guys, two Hispanic cops. And this is where I'm thinking, like, now it's less about the race. It's more about the power. And for me, like, and I, you know, I tell people, you know, yes, I am a very conservative person. I do. I am more on the right wing. But at the same time, like, I'm against... I'm always like, no, I'm against government control and police officers are agents, the number one agents of government control. Yeah. Like those are the ones who are going to be knocking on your door being like all these people who are like about the second amendment and like, but they also want to support cops. I'm like, dude, who do you think is going to take your, take your guns away? Yeah. Who do you think is going to take your guns away? And it's not told- Joe Biden's going to show up at your actual <laughs> house and be like Nancy Pelosi and him just be like, hey, give me your gun. I'm like, no, dude, it's Sleepy like Joe. it's the, it's, the, it's those cops that you've been donating money to for so long. Yeah. Like it's those people. The that's five, who was it 500 Club or whatever. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. that's who's going to that's who's going to be like those are the ones who are going to take those quote unquote liberties that you're so about uh, upholding. So anyway, I digress from the political stuff. But like, um, you know, I told I was telling you this earlier. Like, I remember getting arrested from them, and um, they booked me, and they're like, it kind of like, instead of going to the hole, so officers, they take you in, they have to, to bring you in, and they do the paperwork. These guys knew I had to pee. Like, I had to piss. I was like, hey, guys, I mean, I really had to pee. Can we heard this up? They parked in the city jail parking lot, like the visitor parking lot. They didn't go into the, the gates, mm-hmm. you know, where, they, where, where they're supposed to park. They didn't go there. They parked in the visitor parking lot. 
sat there, made jokes, whatever, and I'm very uncomfortable. So I don't know what it's if you know what it's like to be handcuffed. I actually they, do. Yeah, it, it hurts a lot. Like especially when you have to sit there, the the cop, you know, the, in the back of the the cop car, it's not comfortable having to pee. I'm like, and my phone kept ringing, and they were like, "You want us to answer it?" And I was like, uh, "Yes, please." And they're like, "Haha, not." Nah, we're not gonna do that. And then they were like filling out my paperwork. They took an extra like thir- I almost pissed myself. And then they finally put me in there. They handcuffed me so tight and in such a weird position on my shoulder that I lost the feeling in my uh, my right hand, like where my pinky is, all the way down to my wrist on that that meat part of your hand. Like it was just, it took a long time for me to like get that feeling back. And I was I'll never forget like how shitty they were. I was like, God, you get this is like. It's like New Year's Eve. It's 1 p.m. And you realize like, hey, this is just waste time. Like imagine that right down the road, something very serious happened and they could have stopped it or been involved, but they were too busy fucking with me. Right. And that's, to, what, that, uh, that's what I was going to say earlier when you were talking about the guy that got pulled over and, and, and arrested for some bullshit stuff. It's like, so they got him on that, but then there's a lot of other people that get stopped. And for whatever reason... They say, all right, we'll let you go. And then it comes to find out that they were wanted for something. Yeah. Or, you know, and then they have they were serious criminals. Yeah. And they got stopped. And it was like, but why did you let him go? You know, it's so, it's so crazy. And then you also mentioned about the badge, how it says protect and to serve. And that's what they're for. They're supposed mm-hmm. to protect and serve. There's a lot of them that take that the idea of the power of that badge. Well, yeah. And it's almost like they're there to protect and, and serve themselves mm-hmm. instead of the public. See, here's here's something citizens. that I've noticed. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm not applying to this because I have, like I said, I do have friends who are police officers. So I understand there are some. Oh, we have family that, yeah, members. We have too. family members. Right? You know, I understand there are some people who get into it for the right reasons, but like especially here in uh, League City, a lot of the kids who are in like the ROTC program who got bullied a lot and who were like really shitty and like dickheads, a lot of them turned out to be police officers, and yeah. so then they were like, "Oh, now I get to now it's my turn." Right. So you also have that you can't accept the good. Like you have to just be realist, realistic. That's my whole thing. Like with every issue, whatever it's like political or whatever, like when talk about abortion, it's like, oh, well, like, you know, sometimes like a woman gets like, okay, yeah, I understand that. But then there's also the chick who's like, I'm going to get seven abortions because fuck it. Like, I just I don't care. And I'm like, okay, well, that's also not cool either. Yeah. So there's you have to be realistic about like what's real. And there is a true thing. Like, uh, I think Joe Rogan had a point where he's like, it should just be harder to be a police officer. Yeah, it should be harder. I. Yeah, definitely. Should, like, it should not be, just, just it should not be just it should be as hard to be a doctor. Yeah, you yeah. think about it, like well, they, they got yeah. several years of training. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. So like, but think about it. Like, they're like, okay, you're gonna be a doctor. You're gonna have someone's uh, life in your hands. Right. Same thing with being a police officer. Uh, that's that's you the same have, thing because they have the have, community's life yeah, in your hands for sure. So I think that's what it should be. I mean, in the same rigorous training that you have, somebody who's like gonna be a surgeon, a fucking brain surgeon. You want to be the best cop in the world. Go through that same fucking training, yeah. That same level of training, and see if if you come out of that, then you are yes, you, you trust you deserve, like, to be you deserve to be, like not every like uh, my friend Rick, uh, he became a cop very easily, and he, like he even jokes with me about how easy it was for him to be a cop. And me, and my Chris, were, me and my friend Chris were like, let's. Dude, let's just be cops. Let's like let's take yeah. let's take six months off of work and be cops. Go well, to WCJC I mean, and take criminal justice and be cops. Yeah, it could be as long as you had like what uh, a uh, high school diploma, maybe a couple of, of hours of college, or if you had like a military background. Oh yeah, you're fit. You're, you could do it exactly. And then nowadays they they require you to go to. Of course, you got to go to the academy and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. And, well, and have I have. That. Well, yeah, he 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 graduated the academy. Yeah. And so, um, well, but, but still, also, that I, academy training is what two years, a year, two years, not even, not even. Well, that uh, it was that was back in Rick's day. I don't know what it is now. I don't know. He's, what he's is. four. He's forty four now. Yeah. So I don't know what it was back then. And it could have been less than. It could have been like yeah. ten months. Yeah, less yeah I than think I, it could have been. But yeah. um, what I'm saying is that like, um, what I'm now seeing is like a like a. Uh, a disillusion between like military plus you know, law enforcement, especially since the Uvalde shooting, when they comes out that the all those officers didn't even show up, 
and like they were waiting and they were sitting in the lobby and didn't actually like run in like there was that one guy who was an off-duty, you know, uh, border patrol. Border patrol. Officer, and he was. He was a, a special agent. He was getting a haircut, and he was like, "Give me your shotgun. Like I'm going." Because his off, wife, man. yeah, he took off. Yeah, like that's what we need. Hey, you say what you want. Kyle Rittenhouse wouldn't have waited an hour to get in that fuck motherfucker. Yeah, but he would have. He. W- I don't. I swear to God, care about Kyle Rittenhouse. I'm just saying. But what I'm saying is that, like, it's just because. Yeah, any yo-yo just, with a gun that is crazy enough is going to go in there. Well, but I, I see your I see your but, point. But what I'm saying is that like those were the ones who were, should have done it. And I have a lot of friends who are military and a lot of friends who are um even my friend who works HPD, he works he works in the gang division. He wants to be off Scott Street and fucking third ward. He wants to be there. He's he when I talk to him, he tells me some of the most disturbing shit I've ever heard in my entire life. And he is posting those memes talking shit about those guys. And he's like, What the fuck is wrong with you? That was your job. Like so now you have all these guys who are like military who are like, uh, wh- what did we sign up for? What did you sign up for? If you can't protect and serve the most innocent of your community, then just keep, okay, be a fucking meter maid, write parking tickets. Get a desk job. Yeah, get a goddamn, be Will Ferrell and the other guys. <laughs> be a jailer, just do the Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. So anyway, digressing, running back. Right. I'll tell, uh, but I will, I will give, you know, a positive of like my whole experience with, you know, like I told you, like that bad one with those two Hispanic officers. Yeah, I did have eight officers, four cars on me when I was arrested the second time. And they were actually like the guy, the main guy who was arresting me. He was like, look, man, I'm just, I'm sorry. Like, I got it. I got to take you. I was like, listen, he was. Very, very calming and very just like she's wanted to calm me down because I was very upset and like I was, you know, I was three times the legal limit. Mm-hmm. And most people who I was in the alcohol, when you get a DWI, you have to take like a, a alcohol awareness class and you have to tell everybody the story of like what happened and you have to tell them like, oh, this is what happened. This is my charges. And this is uh, <laughs> my, this was my ABV. I had the highest in the class and everybody just looked at me. And I was like, I, I like to party. I'm an overachiever. <laughs> I'm an overachiever. Anyway, uh, but yeah. So to be that messed up and him trying to like he would he wasn't being mean. He was very he was like very comforting. He, he was, was like, taking he was taking he was like he was like hey man he's like listen I have to do this I have to do this, this is my job he's like I cannot in good conscience and I was I was like I was telling was like call my dad because I was at that Kroger right there on 528 in, in Bay Area Boulevard I was like call my dad call my dad he will come up and get me I swear to God please. Just please do not take me to jail. And he was like, listen, man, I have to. I have to. It's my job. Like, you've, you've, you've been driving. I've caught you. You are obviously inebriated. I have to do this. And he's like, I don't want to do this, but I have to do this. Yeah. And the contrary to the other guys, he took me straight in, booked me, put me in like a little, like a little holding cell. Where I was being completely belligerent, which they could have, they could have thrown other charges at me because I was being an idiot and being belligerent because I was so emotional and upset, but they didn't. No, he did his job. Yeah, he did his he job. Did his job. So I was, was like, I'm thankful that that guy did his job. And also, you know, when I was going through court, you know, he could have argued with certain things that my lawyer argued with, but he was just like, nah, man. It's like he was, from what my lawyer told me, he wasn't really trying to push the issue of like trying to influence the judge to give me a harsher sentence or anything like that i don't think he saw a need to because he's like well you know what you know this is the situation and you know he's gonna have to deal with the consequences mm-hmm. he, there's no reason for him to make it any, any yeah. worse same thing i mean i i have been arrested twice the first time was stu- stupid so it was it was my fault i didn't i had a ticket that i didn't pay mm-hmm. i get pulled over stopped for uh uh the light bulb over my rear license plate was oh, out. Yeah, tell me about that, yeah. So they take me in, then I got transferred and, you know, pay the fine and get out. The second time, which is bad, and I don't condone this, and I've never done it since, driving when you've had too much to drink. And I'm coming home, and I oversteered my turn, and I ended up in the ditch right in front of yeah, right there, the entrance. Park, yeah, yeah. And uh, luckily, there was no water in the ditch at the time, but it had been wet, so I couldn't get the truck out. Yeah. So what, it, what do I do? I get out, and I'm walking home. Cops pull up. 
They can't get me for DUI because I'm not behind the wheel of the car. But I I try. I don't remember if I tried calling the house or Celine was calling me, uh, and I answered. And she the the phone recorded everything. Mm -hmm. My phone recorded everything. Um, uh, because I guess I tried calling her, and her Mm -hmm. her um voicemail Voicemail. picked up. So I, I still had the phone going, and you can hear in the background, sir. Sir, I'm walking home. I'm like a couple of miles from the house. Maybe not. Yeah. Not even a mile. It's yeah. not even a mile from not, Okay. Yeah, I had to walk there because at Legends, I'd get drunk sometimes and I'd just walk home. Okay. So it's like, sir, sir. And it was the cops and they're stopping me. Right. And so they booked me and I was pretty inebriated myself. And, you know, they told my wife later that, um, yeah, he was being kind of a jerk. And this is League City Cops, which are primarily... Hispanic, I mean, uh, white, because this is a, a white suburb. suburb. And, um, you know, they took me in and I slept it off and she came and got me the next day. And I had to get my truck, you know, because they towed it away. And so, you know, paying that fine plus the towing and stuff. And so mm-hmm. it was pretty, it was pretty expensive night for me. Yeah. Uh, and one I'll never forget and one I'll never want to do again. Yeah. And then the second incident, um, it wasn't even me. It was, uh, one of my sons got stopped and he was pulled over. F- I'm not sure why he got pulled over, but he had some illicit, uh, drugs. Substances. Substances. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. He had some illicit, illicit substances and they were taking him in and it's like, all right. And he was like a couple miles down the road from the house. He was coming home from work that day. And of course they searched his car and I don't know. I can't remember the reason that they decided to search, but they did. They asked him if it was okay. And he said, yes. And they found some stuff and they called us and said, Hey, uh, we're taking your son in for this, but, uh, I'm calling you so that you can come get his car. And yeah. it's like, oh, that was nice because they could have easily said, fuck it, let them tow it, tow it yeah. and pound it. And then you got to pay for that. I remember that because then I had to pick him up from jail the next day. Yeah. And so it was one of those things that this just happens. And so you do have some good cops. You do have some good yeah. cops. And, and, and a lot of times it's one of those things like nowadays when you get stopped by a cop, it, it goes both ways. You don't know what cop you're getting. You don't know what yeah. what kind of demeanor he's going to have what kind of day he's had and same thing for him when he stops someone he's coming up to your window doesn't know who's behind the driver's seat doesn't know what they have in the car or you always have like to play that. it safe and never yeah. i what i don't understand is when people immediately get defensive and think that they're smarter than the, i'm like dude you're yeah you are fighting you're just fight you're not gonna win dude yeah, if you're if you're a color, shut up, shut up. if you're even a color, even a color especially if you're just in the wrong in any way yeah. If you're just in the wrong. No, but I'm saying if, if there's nothing wrong, but you're of color and you're doing something like that, you're not helping yourself. You want to try to de-escalate the situation mm-hmm. rather than make things I worse I always try and de- de-escalate anytime I see any situation going on. Like uh, I was telling you earlier about a situation where this was a, maybe a month ago. So I was at this bar across the street from work and there's this guy who doesn't like me. He used to work. Uh, he used to work for me at my old restaurant. He was a dishwasher. Terrible attitude. Definitely a, a, a very big drinker too. So I ended up firing him. He didn't like me after that. And I remember we were at the bar and, you know, get on the, they had everything like hooked up, like the sound system hooked up to like an iPad. So everybody taking, taking, uh, you know, turns playing music. And so me and my friends, we decided we want to listen to the song. We're all pretty hammered. I was probably the most sober, all my friends, but, um, this kid, like, we're all listening to the song. We're like, hell yeah, dude. We were waiting for this. He just bumps my shoulder, walks in, and then just changes the song. And we're like, man, what the fuck? Like, we waited. Like, we cleared this with everybody. Like, everybody's taking turns. And he's like, fuck you and your petty shit. I was like, excuse me? And he was like, man, fuck you. And I was like, do you got a problem? I'm, and I hate to say this. I do enjoy physical confrontation but at the same time i'm also smart and like i'm not going to start something where there's not but if you're going to talk shit to me i'm going to defend myself i'm not going to back down so i'm like hey man what's your problem 
What's the problem? If it's a problem, like, and, and I've, like, I even wrote an article about how to win a bar fight. You know, most of the time it's like, don't fight, make them laugh, buy them a drink, be like, hey, man, whatever's going on, whatever. Let's just squash it. It's not like only fight if you have to. Here's so, how to win a bar fight. Don't go to bars. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. So I'm I'm just kind of like, and he, but I mean, he's kind of, I mean, I know I could break this guy in half if I wanted to. So I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. I'm like, okay. And then he was like, fuck you. And my friend Chris was like, what? What's your problem? And he was like, he was like, man, fuck all y'all. And I was like, all right, this guy's fucked up. So my friend Chris picks, puts a cigarette in his mouth. He's like, we'll be outside if you got a problem. So he walks straight outside. And then I'm like, hey, man, I just want to listen to my song. And then at this point, he put, it, not really a shove, he just puts his hand like on my shoulder and just kind of gives me a little bit of a, uh nudge the second he did that my friend steven was fucking blackout drunk at this point and he was like almost falling asleep at the bar but the second he saw this guy put his hand on my shoulder and steven's just like he's he's my height and very skinny like kind of a scrawny guy he just was like woke up he's like 42 years old been been in the game for a long time he was like you don't fucking touch my friends he starts grabbing him by by the by the by his shirt collar and this kid's like trying to fight him off. So now I'm trying to protect this kid from my friend, Steven. Then Mondo comes up and gets Steven. He's like, let's go outside, Steven. So he takes him outside. This kid's on the phone and he was like, I need assistance, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, oh shit, he's calling his boys. We're actually about to really fight now. So I'm like, oh, and then I remember, why would you call your boys and say, I need assistance? I'm like, this motherfucker's calling the cops. He called the cops on us. And then he runs out the front, even though he parked in the back, runs around the corner. This gets fucked up. Cops show up. Three cop cars shows up. Five cops, five or four, whatever. They all know me. They've seen me in the same bars all the time, knowing, like, I don't start drama. We don't start shit. We are not the people who are going to start a bar fight. Right. So they're like, what happened? I was like, oh, shit. He's calling you. I was like, yeah. And I said, here's what happened. I told him the story exactly the same way I told it to you. And by the end of it, they're like, okay, what's his name? What does he drive? And then his dumb ass just out of the back parking lot down. I was like, that's him. They all jump in their cars and go after him. Chase him down. Yeah, for real. So, I mean, there's been times where the law has actually worked good on me. And all I can say is like, do the best that you can. But, I mean, there's always going to be that chance that you're going to be the wrong place at the wrong time. And there's no good, not going to be anybody else around you. And it's scary to think about. Yeah. And I think about it all the time. Well, the thing about small towns is like you, you usually end up knowing or get to know the people, the cops there, and they yeah. know you. So they already know of your reputation and who you are and what well, yeah, kind of person you are. Yeah, that's how we got out of that. Are. They were like, and so, but in a big city like this, you don't you're know what you're your numbers yeah, or whatever just, it is. Yeah. So. But let's get back to the original point of, Yeah. That was straight up murder. And for sure, it's it's fucked that, um, like I said, like justice should be blind and justice should be served. And whenever I mean, I don't know, it's kind of fucked up. Like it's, it's all the way fucked up just to think about how, you know, certain people like I used to make a joke about like, man, I couldn't be a cop because I'd definitely be a dirty cop. <laughs> like I would definitely be going to make friends with all the drug dealers. And be like, all right, man, homie, like, so, so, you know, throw me a little scratch. You know, I'll tell you whenever the rage is coming. Like, right. I would 100 percent do that. I would 100 percent. That's why I can't be a cop. But um, that's how a lot of uh, cops make their extra money nowadays. Well, yeah. So that also you never know. Like you just you don't you don't fucking know, especially, you know, now. Like I, I was when, the second time I got arrested. I was maybe a minute and a half being into Galveston County to where they'd had no jurisdiction, and like if I would have made it, like it's a whole different ball game. Galveston right. County is a lot smaller. It, it, who knows what it would have been like? It could have been worse. Could have been worse. You know what I mean? These Galveston County cops, they know all the spots. I mean, jails in Galveston, well, the jails in League City, but, you know, if they want to take me to county, you know. You'd be going all the way to yeah, Galveston. Yeah, going all the way to the island. There's a lot of wet, a lot, lot of, there's a lot of, like, wetlands around there. Dead spots, dead along, spots the way. along the way. That's what I'm saying. It's like, you, I could have gotten arrested by some fucking dickhead cops who are like, eh, let's drop them over in Lamarck and see what happens. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's true. That could have happened. I was 
at the end of the day, even though it sucks getting arrested and it sucks what happened to me, and I, I don't want to make this about me, but I'm saying is like I'm very lucky to have the experiences that I've had because they've taught me a little bit about myself and about people and everything like that. But it sucks that uh, Joe Capastores didn't get that. He didn't get that chance. Yeah, he didn't get the chance to learn that lesson at 23 years old. No, he didn't. He and didn't. Uh, and that's the, the the crazy thing is like he he served in the army. He put his life at risk. He'd already in, done more yeah, at 23 it, than I had done. Yeah. And he, he served He served his tour in Vietnam, came back, and then he, he ends up ki- getting killed at home. Yeah. And then we have when we have family who's, who served, too. Yeah. We have family who served, family who are, who are law enforcement. And it's crazy to think that, you know, that mutual respect isn't there for a stupid reason as far as maybe racism or what it, whatever it is. Now I I don't think at least in my experiences it was so much racism because the the two cops that were shitty to me were Hispanic as well and maybe maybe they had like that whole self hate thing like remember in like a like a Boys in the Hood whenever Cuba getting really Bert was it Bernie Mac pulled him over and it was Cuba getting Judy he was like you black oh, motherfucker like no he, that wasn't was, Bernie Mac it was somebody else oh, okay I yeah. think in the parody it was Bernie Mac. Oh. Where he was like, I hate my gums, my gums because they're black. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, it was a yeah, bad. whatever. But no, but th- you know what I'm saying. Like the cop yeah, yeah. who's just like, you fucking, you make us look bad. And I, there is that, there is that. Like when we talk about race relations, there are some people because there's times when I see those kids with those stupid fucking Edgar haircuts, and I'm like, God damn it, I hate that you're Mexican. But it's not gonna just like go swing on him for no reason. You know what I mean? Uh, That's a style, man, for some people. Oh God, it's so stupid. I'd like to see I can't say I, fuck no, <laughs> fuck no. Try but yeah, look, I, try I, to look like Co Wetzel. Yeah, I, I, I think, uh, yeah, you, you do get some of those cops, and and we're not saying that all cops are bad or all cops are dirty. But there's, there's a no, lot. Of there's them no out agenda there. in this episode. Yeah. We're telling the story of a man who was wrongfully murdered by police and sharing our own personal stories with law enforcement. That's all this is. There's no agenda here. Yeah. We're not trying to trying to uh, push you in either way of, of thinking because this is just two people sharing their experiences and, and then also stating facts. And maybe you didn't know this because I didn't know this until, you know, yeah. And I th- I th- for me, me for me, I've known it since, like I said, I was 12 when this happened and I've thought about it and it comes up because living in the Houston area, you see this and it's like every year during this time it comes up and it was in the news recently. And it yeah. was like, there's not, there's not that many people that may know about it and it, it'd be good for other people to, to find out what happened and, and, and read the story themselves. And, you know, just, there's a lot of articles. I mean, there's a lot of yeah, magazines. I was, I was looking up, there's stuff. songs and poems and yeah. everything about it. Yeah. Yeah, there and there's a video on on YouTube too as well. Maybe there's more a, than that. So there's a podcast episode from uh, Chicano Squad podcast discussing the murder of Mr. Torres and the resulting information Homicide Squad made up of Chicano officers. So uh, I guess if you want to know more, look those guys up too. Chicano yeah. Squad. They did a series on it because they did the murder and then the the fallout, the, the fallout, and then. The Moody Park riots, which yeah. those it took them a while to control that area, and it was just I remember listening to that or watching that on the news as well, and it was just it was a big thing. And like you said, you know, they're, they're looting, they're looting in their own area, they're just destroying their neighborhoods, and that that I, I never I, I've never condoned that. I've always I, been yeah. against it. I've always been against. I mean, uh, uh, no, man, like. Uh, my whole thing is that like, why are you going to tear up your community? Yeah, you're you're and en- that's not your enemy. Yeah, your enemy is obviously for me. It's always been the government. The government's your enemy. Enemy. <laughs> that's his agenda. Enemy. Yeah. <laughs> that's my. This is. I'm speaking solely for myself. I'm pretty sure I'm already on plenty of FBI watch lists because of that. Because I've my anti-government rhetoric, but I don't really care. And that's. I, I'm. I'm not gonna be a fucking a dude who's gonna like take up arms and just march out through the fucking uh through the streets that's not me i got kids i got better i got better things to do i have friends i have family i have my own opinions but i'm not just gonna go do gonna go do that shit um i'm not gonna put myself in the line of fire when there are people who depend on me people who care about me that would just be plain stupidity right there yeah 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 it's a interesting story it's a tragedy and um 
I just wanted to bring it to light to my listeners, uh, to the people that, that listen to my podcast and uh, do your own research. Check it out. Look it Search up. Search on Google. Yeah. Jose Look up those Campos podcasts. Bocas. There was a, a movie in that came out about it, too. And this is what I'm reading. Uh, documentary in the case of Joe Campos Torres. Um, yeah. So if, if you can find it, you know, look it up. Like if you want to know more, um, I, th- I feel like we've kind of got the meat of the story, but you know, yeah, that was, the, that uh, was, that was just the gist of it. I mean, mm-hmm. there's more details to be, to be found and, and, and to read, but basically any way you look at it, those cops were in the wrong. They just did wrong and they got away with it. Well, this is what I said about every single thing in it. It's different for me, like, you know, when that Uvalde shooter, when they killed him, I was like, well, fuck yeah, dude. Of course. The open shooter, like, yeah, that's one thing. But, you know, when, when there's like a, a, a cop, police officers should not be, uh, you know, it's not Judge Dredd. It's they're not Judge Jury Executioner. You know, their job is to protect and serve. And uh, that's the meat of it. Like, that's your fucking job. You know what I mean? For I'm sure. A, I'm a cook. I'm not going to go serve you your food, too. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm not going to bust your table, fucking wash your dishes. I'm too busy in the kitchen. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That ain't my job. All right. That's a good one. I enjoyed this. I think I think it came out better doing it this way than it would have if I would try to uh, do the podcast episode myself. Oh, I enjoy yeah. this. Well, yeah. I, well, I think it's because, like, like I said, I've spent time being... Pine jail box. yeah no. a little bit yeah it helps Not a to lot get, helps to get that perspective yeah but it, it really does here's my thing though um there's one thing that i i want to eventually do eventually in my life i want to get to a point where i want to start a nonprofit and i want to help people who are nonviolent offenders like get jobs because i one thing i noticed is like when i was in jail that all these dudes were like hey man i'm from the north side i'm from this like oh you know this dude they're like yeah they're already plotting their next crimes before they even bonded out because this is all they know it's nothing to them and they're like like if you can just like show them like hey man you don't have to do this yeah it's it's because a cycle. sometimes it's a cycle yeah, that at, this, at this point they're like okay well i'm fucked like having a nine to five is not even in their wheelhouse because they never even could consider that that's what they would do and i'm like no dude like have these programs where uh, and and it would just be and not government programs because fuck that. But it would be, you know, if I had like if I became a fucking what they call a philanthropist, I would put you know set up a nonprofit. Philanderer? No, I already am a philanderer, <laughs> <laughs> a philanthropist. Uh, to uh, you know, just throw money at in causes that I believe in and I believe in, and maybe it's a thing for teach them culinary school so they can work in a kitchen. That's the one thing that you know me being a. a, a convicted criminal can still get a job anywhere in the country because I have these skills and I can cook anywhere and you can work for anybody or you can work for yourself too. Exactly. That's the thing about yourself is you don't necessarily have to work for somebody. You can exactly. So to give these people the opportunity and the skills and maybe the drive to just leave this life behind and not be there again. I mean, it's, lack of opportunity really does uh, attribute to a lot of the crime nowadays. And, you know, if somebody like me who's grown up with a lot of opportunities still can, you know, commit crimes, like what's it for somebody who's, that's all they've known. Somebody, those people don't even think that they can even get out of it. Yeah. But that's a whole nother argument. It is. It is like, okay, lack of opportunity, but also you have, there's a lack of drive there because you have to be be able to see up beyond that. You have to be vision, all right, where I'm at right now is not offering me anything. So I need to really think about what I need to do. I need to get out of here, yeah. put myself in a better situation, drop my old friends because they're just they're they're not good for me. It just look for a better situation. What's for funny yourself. is I didn't think that way until after I've been arrested. Cuz you know, I was in the medical field and I was like I'm making good money, but I'm miserable. Yeah. And I hate my life. And then now, you know, Sometimes work is the best part of my day. We talked about that earlier. Yeah. Like, sometimes that's like that's the best part of my day. Was like I walk in, I put it, throw on my apron, start chopping onions, peeling shrimp, 
getting ready and then those tickets start falling in and I'm like, yes, let's do this. I'm up against the wall. I want to be so busy that I don't even know how I'm going to survive the next five minutes, but I, I did it and I came out with it and it feels so good. Well, the, the, your shift or your time does pass quickly. Mm -hmm. But anyway, uh, less about us, but this story, if you want to know more, just Google and it's other stories like it. I'm sure, um, there should be other stories like it. Well, I hope there aren't, but you know, it sucks that there are, but right. Right. Um, right. But that's, that's the, that's the, the world that we live in. These things are going to happen. Some of them get more publicity than others, but I mm-hmm. think it's good to know about these things because in any situation, it can, it, it could just, be anybody could just go wrong. It could be anybody. Yeah. Too. It could be it, sometimes that shit happens. Like we said, the, it's not consistent as far as like it, it doesn't matter who the, it matters who the officer is with the time what's going on in their life what's going on in your life yeah whatever and it could be your brother your sister your son your daughter your dad your mom just a bad day can just ruin your entire life mm-hmm. or end your life yeah and, and, and but then that's the thing is that it doesn't justify the act it doesn't, it doesn't justify it doesn't. how they're there and it's, it's a scary way yeah. to think about it, how things can can do that so like i'm just saying like i don't know man just fuck i don't know tread lightly and have fun yeah yeah tell people where they can find you jay rollins instagram jay rollins twitter um that's about all i'm gonna give you hoes only fans not yet not yet okay nah I've right. been featured on a couple of people, people's under uh, only fans uh, under 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 from yeah underwear only, fa- only fans but you can find me in you, you won't know you won't underwear. know it like if you know my my forearm tattoos then <laughs> then you'll be like oh shit I know those forearm tattoos no, I won't be trolling only yeah. fans now <laughs> hell yeah <laughs> all right and uh, you can find me on uh, Instagram at Dave underscore jokes um, that's pretty pretty much the only social media I use I do have Facebook but. I don't post much on it. Um, I enjoy Instagram better. So. Yeah, Instagram and Twitter and Snapchat are my thing. Yeah, fuck it. Snapchat, J underscore Rollins. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys. We're out until next time. And uh, I'll probably, you'll probably be hearing more of, of Che here on uh, Mindless Digital. So, uh, probably. yeah, just keep looking out for more and more episodes. I'm definitely in uh in that groove right now where i'm, I'm going to be consistent with putting out episodes um i will be going on vacation toward the end of the, the month of june you need a bank uh some. yeah I, I, i've some. done that before and maybe i'm gonna try to podcast while, while i'm on vacation and uh see if i can do that but all right guys another episode in the books and for me this was a good one thanks for coming in che and uh guys hope you enjoy this later like, like wu-tang said protect your neck Last night was crazy and there ain't a tin in my truck, so we're golden, Lord. We want to thank you again for watching over us when all we do is sin. Let's go to Mr. J's, buy another case, pack of cigarettes, and be on our way back to the boneyard. Oh, dear Lord. Turn the music up and let's play 
Critter, critter, who is sober enough to take me to, to take me? 